0: Well, hi friends. Felicia Masonheimer here, and tonight I am so thrilled to be inviting on Brenna Blaine, who, if you've been following her on Instagram for any amount of time, you know, as she goes by the handle at bun on my head, but it's Brenna Blaine—that's her name. She has a podcast, and she has her social media presence, and I have just been so blessed by getting to know her over the last couple of months. I was on her podcast, and tonight we have the privilege of hearing her testimony and then hearing a little bit of what she has to say about sexuality and living as a Christian who is also a sexual being created by God. So we're going to be waiting for her to join in. Oh, here she is, and we're going to get started. Hi, Brenna. Hi, how's it going? Good. How are you doing?
1: Good. This is so great. Thanks for doing this with me. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I'm excited. I'm a little nervous, but I'm pretty excited. <laughs> awesome. awesome. I
0: was thinking of you today when I was prepping for our little chat talk, and I didn't put this in the questions that we were going to discuss, but I th- thought I have to ask her, what made you cut your hair into mm. a pixie cut?
1: So I had always wanted to shave my head and like something I did growing up is that my dad would take me on like daddy daughter dates to go see motorcycles Uh and so that's probably I have like I don't know I'm covered in tattoos most people don't see that but covered in tattoos and so it was over a year ago it was like February 20th I had kept cutting my own bangs and they (laughs) looked really bad and so, I called my mom and I was like, Will you come over and shave my head? So, I actually shaved it. Oh my goodness. So, it's just been this is the grow out process so far. So,
0: okay. So and you like were a, just like, I just want to try it.
1: Yes. Yeah, like, it was a bucket list item. And I'm really glad I loved shaving it. But I'm glad that I had the grow out process mostly through quarantine because mm-hmm. there are some days when you're like, I can't do anything with this.
0: So. <laughs> it's true I was just thinking of you because I cut my hair off when I broke my leg I had mm-hmm. a bob and I had mm-hmm. long hair before that but I couldn't do my hair with a broken leg and so I was like I have always wanted a pixie cut and was never brave mm-hmm. enough to do it can't do my hair anymore so I'm just gonna do it and so I feel like everybody's pixie cut story is different and mm-hmm. so I'm, like, I'm so glad I asked <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously, we didn't invite you on here to talk about pixie cuts, although that is super, super fun. Um, I gave a slight little intro about you to my audience who's joining us tonight, but I would love if you could introduce yourself, your family, and a little bit of what you do before we get into our questions.
1: Okay, so I'm Brenna Blaine, uh, and I am a Christian speaker and teacher. I ended up going to Multnomah University in Portland, Oregon to get my degree in Biblical Studies and Theology. And I finished just see the end of, or summer 2020. And so that was exciting. I was kind of happy I didn't have to walk at graduation. I am married, my husband's name is Austin. He's three years older than me. We met at church when I was 14. We didn't talk for about four or five years till after that, then we started talking. And then I have a son named Rudy. He's two and a half years old. And then we have a second on the way who we decided to name Rory because we wanted to make it confusing for everyone. <laughs> and so I'm due in, at the end of August, So will be nice and big for summer and nice and sweaty and <laughs> not really looking forward to that, but excited to have two boys. And Awesome. Awesome.
0: Congratulations. That's
1: Thank so you.
0: exciting. Thanks. So I think as we're like, we're talking and, and going over the questions tonight. A lot of these questions go back to your personal testimony. Mm-hmm. And you have your testimony right on your Instagram, mm-hmm. I know. But can you give us a little bit like of a summary of your story before we dive into like, the theology and mm-hmm. the, the biblical backup for what we're going to talk about?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was actually a pastor for the first couple of years of my life. And so I was in the church my entire life, I knew the Bible, I knew who God was, um, although I don't think I had a personal relationship with him, I just knew the attributes of God and who Jesus was, and just kind of went along with that. And then when I was nine years old, I my grandma, who was a huge, real presence of who God is, like someone who loved God well, because she also loved other people well, and so she Lived what she preached, but she also talked about what she preached. She died from cancer, and that was like really heartbreaking for me, especially because you know I'd spent all those years praying for healing, and so like so that was that was in August, and then a few months later, my parents sat me and my siblings down and said we're getting separated, and I had no idea why at the time. And my dad was moving out of the house, and I was really really close with my dad, and so that was really heartbreaking. And then a few months after that, I ended up being molested by um, basically a total stranger that coached one of my youth uh, sports events. And so my parents, they didn't find out about that at the time. And so at a really young age, I was going, okay, all these people say God is good and God is with us. And I have all these terrible things that have happened to me at such a young age. And like now, so I was like going to church and they'd be like, well, God still loves you and cares for you even if you lie to your parents. And I'm like, sure, sometimes I lied to my parents, but like I was abused and I didn't even have the language to say that. Mm-hmm. And so for me there was this huge disconnect. That was like, okay, if God is good, why would all these terrible things happen? But also, even if he is good through that, how come no one's talking to me about that? And so by the time I was 14, I re- realized two really kind of shocking things. And the first was that I was attracted to, or I am attracted to women and someone as growing up as someone in the conservative, theologically conservative side of the church. um, I was like, wow, I'm damned to hell. Like, that's my life. And uh, I also realized, like, I can't trust men um, because I had this difficult relationship with my dad that felt really broken at least on my side of things, I think my dad would was pretty unaware that I felt that way. And I know that my dad would have made an effort to fix things if he knew, but he didn't know. And then I and I obviously didn't trust men because I was taken advantage and was abused by men. And so uh, it's really important for me that I clarify that I don't believe being abused caused me to be same-sex attracted, but it did make things more difficult for me when going okay am I ever like is is being with man ever gonna be an option for me and Mm -hmm. so 14 I was like okay I don't think so so I was really depressed my self-harming my parents were really active and my parents actually ended up staying married which is a beautiful story of redemption in itself but I was you know I didn't recognize that back then but um, so they put me into counseling and a few i had a really unique upbringing because i did theater my mom started a christian theater program and you but you didn't have to be a christian to be in it and so i knew a lot of people in the lgbtq community and then i had a lot of friends who were maybe some stay progressive and some stay open minded but i had friends where i was like i could talk to them about this so i shared with a few close friends and for me because i couldn't date at 14 i was like okay i don't think i'm going to come out to my parents now but my options are like, I, for me, I was like, I'm already going to hell. So am I going to go to hell doing what I want to do? Or am I going to try and explore this, these faith questions more? And so when I was 15, I'd been going to youth group pretty faithfully. And I was still really disinterested in God and faith altogether, but I felt just cared for and I had friends there and someone at my church found my Tumblr. And if you don't know what a Tumblr is, it's a blog. You retweet or you repost pictures most of the time. And mine was very obvious that I was same-sex attracted. So someone from my church found it, shared it with my small group leader who shared it with my youth pastor. And I was. So, she told me that she did that and I was so scared and nervous. And like I prepared going to youth group that night being like, I'm gonna get asked to leave or I'm gonna get kicked out. or I'm gonna be told like, this is wrong and all these things. And I remember my youth pastor, John, just said, hey, Brenna, you're not alone. You are not the only Christian that struggles with same-sex attraction like lots of Christians do. And you need to know that you're welcome here. Like, that's all he said. And for me, when I think about that conversation, like if he would have told me what their church as a whole believed, which was a conservative view, which is ultimately what I believe now, I think I would have left. I really do. I, I think I would have just left. And so for him to say, like, we care for you, and we see you, and we want to meet you where you're at. That was huge for me, even if you know, I didn't, I still didn't tell people after that, like he didn't threaten to tell my parents, which was huge for me. So this was still like a secret that I had. But I was like, okay, I feel like it could still come, which was interest. I mean, not interesting. It's God's providence and like later a year later they did a sermon series about the question was like is being gay a sin and the guy speaking talked about the difference between temptation and action which I had never heard before because for me like like I said the entire time I was just like I am attracted to women therefore I am sinning and I'm going to hell like that's it And I prayed multiple times, like, Lord, would you take this away from me? And it just like never happened. And so when he was speaking and saying, like, even Jesus was tempted, but because Jesus is good and because Jesus died on the cross and sent the Holy Spirit, not only like the Bible isn't calling gay people to be straight, but I think Jackie Hill Perry says it so beautifully that. God is calling us to himself and God gives us a way to live in radical obedience. So then for me, the question became, okay, do I live this life that society is telling me will make me happy? Or do I live this life that my faith is calling me to? And it wasn't for about a year after that, that I was finally like, okay, I want to step into this, this life of, of, (laughs) My thing was okay maybe i'll never get married maybe i'll be alone for the rest of my life but i think if god is calling me to this i think i at least need to try it and i remember just this overwhelming sense of peace and so a lot of people i mean i said earlier i'm married i'm married to a man and so my my view of marriage changed as i got older and a lot of well basically just that changed for me but as i grew closer to god and got to know god more this life of same-sex attraction and wrestling with it became something that I was more willing to talk about publicly. And so um, before, right before my husband and I got engaged, or right around that time, we had that conversation. He was super supportive. And then right after that, I told my parents, because I was like, I feel like so many Christians struggle with this, but they just hear you know, the super conservative side or the super progressive side, right? right. Yeah, the nuance. And so I was like, man, I feel like I need to start talking about this more publicly. And so um, I guess that's kind of why we're here. And yeah, I'm at now. So Wow, thank you so
0: much for sharing that. Because I think your story just points out the problem with that Super, super conservative or super progressive, like the only two angles that we hear. I think especially in the conservative church, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I've seen. There's this sense of urgency that they need to know that this is a sin.
1: Mm, mm -hmm,
0: It's so urgent that we make sure they know it's a sin. But as you said, like you shared what was going on internally with you, you already knew all the facts Mm
1: -hmm.
0: from that, from the conservative church. And you were searching for for what your youth pastor did, which was mm. to say, I see you and I love you. And I think that's so interesting because it transcends all sexual struggles, I think, because when I was 12, 13, 14 and struggling with a sexual addiction of a different kind um, or sexual issue of a different kind, um, it that was something that I think would have actually caused me to struggle much, not as long. Mm. I wouldn't have gone so many years hiding it. If someone had been, I'd felt comfortable to say, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm struggling and Mm -hmm. they had said other people struggle too. And we're going to be here with you as you do this. So Mm -hmm. I just, wow, what an example. Um, I just love hearing that in your story. Okay. So my first question for you, obviously you had some really great people in your life Mm -hmm. throughout this, your testimony throughout your story and still do, but at any point, did you think or feel that you were done with Christianity because of your attraction based on either how you were treated or even based on what scripture says?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to my mom about this question because I think even it, it wasn't that I like understood scripture really clearly um, as a young person, but I, with scripture for me, I saw and heard people talk about Bearing your cross and dying to yourself, so I was like, "Okay, well, this is a hard thing, but if you're gonna follow Jesus, Jesus's thing is that he calls you to do difficult things. So I think the scripture part hadn't ever been like a huge issue for me. uh what was an issue was not how I was treated because I never came out until I was married and mm-hmm. had a different story, but it was how other people were treated. And that was, um, that was hard. I think when I was young, the Westboro Baptist thing was really prominent and just really heartbreaking. And then again, just no conversations that held any room for nuance. And so just seeing people being asked to leave their churches or people not feeling welcome and then other people going, well, they're, they are welcome, but then not leaving really any room, not showing hospitality. And so. I think for me, it was like, you know, I never wrestled with, like, if I came out, are my parents going to kick me out? Because my parents were super loving and never talked poorly about people in the LGBT community. I knew what my parents believed, but they weren't hateful. And that was significant for me. But I think there were, you know, even now I think about sometimes I'll get DMs from people who are like, you're going to hell, repent. And I'm like, Whoa. You love. Had, like, I think you just saw maybe like what a, a, the title of a video, and like didn't even read it, and and knowing that, you know, I have a different story, but people who have a more progressive view have to deal with that, with those conversations that don't don't lead out of love is really really heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Thank you for pointing that out because I know it's. Again, it goes back to that, like so many Christians, I think have that urgency to correct Mm -hmm. when I think, I think this happens in so many arenas Mm -hmm. that we as Christians are talking about. I have to correct you. I have to get you on the right path. And we start forgetting that the Holy Spirit is always at work in people's lives. Right. And Mm -hmm. we try to like, I'm the Holy Spirit. They need to know right now. And it's like, well, you know yes, the Lord may have you speak up about something, but the Holy Spirit will be the one to tell you and give you the words, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe wait a minute and don't just go message Brenna off the top title of one of her her videos. (laughs) Okay, so how about this question? How do you respond to people who say that acknowledging same-sex attraction is not allowing Christ to fully sanctify you and your desires?
1: That's a really good question. I do definitely believe that there are people who, not just with same-sex attraction, but any struggle, any sin in their life, have prayed for God to take those things away and that that has happened for them. Uh, But my question would be to those people and I think I've done it. You know, I've done it myself in my own life. Would be, um, am I am I putting more barriers around what God requires of us when it comes to salvation? And something that made it really clear for me was just reading through the New Testament and seeing like followers, like Jesus's disciples, who physically walked with Jesus, and Jesus could have turned at any moment and said like, Peter, I'm gonna take your doubt away from you, or even like later on with Paul, the thorn in his side, I'm going to take this from you. Um, you know, why didn't Jesus do that? And so I don't believe that there is scripture that calls gay people to be straight, but I do believe that, you know, we live in a broken world with evil and God doesn't cause evil. But because God is good, he can work through struggles and work through evil and work through sin. And so for me in my own life, I go, yeah, like I've prayed that God would take this away. And if he wants to, he can do that. He can do that now. He can do that later. But does this stop me from being saved? Um, I don't think so. And does God, have I learned more about who God is because I struggle with this? I think yes. And, you know, something that maybe not a lot of people know about me is like, um, I have bipolar disorder. So I get that same question a lot with that as people are like, we talk so openly about your mental health, but do you pray that you're healed? And I'm like, yeah, I do all the time. And I will be healed when I see Jesus face to face. You might do that earlier for me. But does this stop me from living a life chasing after Christ? Does this stop me from being saved? I I don't believe so and I think it it enables me to trust God and have something that I have to wake up every day and say like I have to be dependent on God for this to get me through this to work through this to sustain me um and for me even though same sex attraction is still a struggle it's also a really <sighs> It's it's a beautiful struggle that I get to commune with God through, and I get to know who God is better because of it. Mm.
0: Wow, that's powerful. I I think, you know, what you just said is so palatable for someone when they're talking about anger, right? Mm -hmm. Like if we're talking about, um, I don't even know, laziness. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I can commune with God, even if I'm struggling with laziness or anger or whatever. The things that we see as more okay things, mm. to, you know, and the reality is every single evidence of the broken world that we are facing is an opportunity for us to commune with the Lord and be drawn to him through that struggle or be pushed away drawn away mm. by that struggle and I think that was like I just loved how you how you answered that Um can I ask you off of that mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit of like what that communing looks like or if you have any spiritual disciplines that you practice that help you to walk with the Lord through either mental illness same sex attraction or whatever mm-hmm. else frustration
1: mm-hmm. anger anything <laughs> um well confession is huge it's huge I know someone the other day messaged me and they're like I I think that you don't know that you're Catholic and I'm like I don't maybe I I don't know but I think practicing confession has been such a freeing thing and um I have a mentor who has walked with me since I was 13 so uh 13 years now almost and that has been huge for me but the fact that I'm able to text her and not like fall into a place of shame and say hey like I'm really struggling with this lately or hey this happened and this is how it made me feel and this is what I want but I know this isn't right or whatever has been really really helpful and then I also I remember when I um when Austin and I got engaged and he told me this story about this guy who was out of town for work and he went to the hotel bar and a lady left her room card for him and he like wanted to go and but instead of going he went up to his room and called his wife and said this just happened um would you just can you just talk to me can we just talk on the phone and when Austin told me that story that was like huge for me because all of a sudden I was like I can talk to him about this stuff. Like, I don't have to hide it from him. And like, he's, he's so understanding. I think it's so true when we talk about like, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. This Mm -hmm. idea of so many things that fester in our heart when we don't speak them out loud. And yes, we have that communion with God, but God also calls us to have that confession with people in our lives and I think God has so beautifully used people in my life through that and then out of that it creates accountability right and so I have people both my husband and my mentor who text me regularly and who ask me questions regularly and so that's that's the biggest one I think the other one is just um just prayer and journaling has been really big, especially because there's just something about like being able to sit down and just talk to God and be like, yeah, this is what I'm struggling with. And this is what I feel. But how do you feel about this? And what can you tell me about this? And going both to scripture, but then also like hearing God and and spending time with God um, is so fulfilling it's such a hard practice to do regularly um I'm guilty of not doing it well but yeah I think just this wide idea of not giving into shame and not giving into darkness and being able to speak these things out loud and say like I struggle with this I know other people struggle with this God what can you tell me in this moment what truth can you give me in this moment and so um Those would be the two biggest things.
0: Ah, that's so great. I, I'm so happy to see many Christians actually going back to some of the spiritual disciplines that Mm -hmm. I think have been considered Catholic Mm -hmm. (laughs) or like contemplative up till now, when a lot of them are simply Christian and they Mm -hmm. maybe had different names, you know, throughout church history, but are so helpful to Mm -hmm. us that yeah, it's, it's interesting. Even James, I think it's James who says confess your sins to one Mm -hmm. another and you may be healed. It's not just physical healing that Mm -hmm. comes through that. It's that inner healing that comes like being able to say to someone, I don't, I don't have to carry this burden alone. I don't Mm -hmm. have to carry the weight of my sin or that sometimes it's not even sin. It's just a grief or something you're going through, you know, that you can confess. I, was at my own Bible study this last Saturday. did not plan to confess something that had been weighing Mm -hmm. on my heart, but they prayed for me for 20 minutes, and it was just such a a weight lifted. Mm -hmm. It's just so so beautiful because, like, when we neglect those spiritual disciplines and inviting people into our struggles, we miss out on one of the, like, biggest blessings of the church. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? Okay. That's uh, I could talk uh, with you about that for quite a bit because we could probably go down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Confession for sure. But I have one more question for you <laughs> and then I want you to highlight kind of where everyone can find you. Cause I can yeah. see from the comments that people are so excited to follow you and hear more of what you have to say. So here's my question. I often hear that hate the sin, love the sinner is how we should go about these conversations. But this usually works out to be more hateful or at least more hateful in tone than it sounds loving. So how can we genuinely show love to Christians who are same sex attracted well, and non-Christians too, who mm-hmm. are same sex attracted, especially family members?
1: Yeah. I, when I was thinking about this and thinking about being young, I think struggling with it then. Um, something that comes to mind that I think is easy, but it's very practical, but odd is a language of inclusion. And I know that sometimes saying that it's like, oh, that's super PC, like inclusive language. But this is what I mean by that. When I was in youth group, Whenever we would talk about addiction or lying or any of these sins, when we had small groups, the conversations were always like, how have you struggled with these things? It was very inclusive, right? So anyone in our small group could deal with addiction or could deal with lying or whatever it was. But when it was conversations around um, intimacy or romance or sexual attraction it was always like because I was in an all girl small group it was always well, what boys do you like or how do you struggle sexually but just like towards the opposite sex and mm-hmm. for me I think if someone would have made it a more inclusive conversation because I knew where that church stood like it wasn't a question of where they were theologically mm-hmm. I think that I would have, in my brain, like if they would have said, like, who are you attracted to? Or like, what do you struggle with? Whether it's the same sex or the opposite sex. To me, I would have gone, oh my gosh, they're attempting to see me where I'm at. Mm, Gotcha. And so I feel like when we have conversations with people, like allowing Christians to have same sex attraction is like a huge... It's a huge door that you're opening up because a lot of people just never, like, yeah, it's just, it's never a question, right? You go to Thanksgiving and your family's like, what boys are you dating? And you're like, none. Uh, I think when you have more inclusive language, no matter where you fall on the theological spectrum, it just allows people to feel seen where they're at and then have those conversations more candidly be able to say, oh, well, I, I, this is, for me, I would, I think I would have said, well, I think I'm attracted to women, and it would have been scary to say, but Mm -hmm. then I also would have had a place to talk about it, and I think as parents, right, we always, like, for me, I'm like, I want my boys to hear about porn from me for the first time, because I don't want the school to inform them, and I don't want their friends to inform them, like, Mm -hmm. if I feel like I know the truth about sexuality, then I want to be able to be the one who presents that to them first, and have those healthy conversations and if the church wants to do that then I think or Christians, then I think we have to like be proactive about it and Mm -hmm. make it a possibility and so there's that I think also being willing to listen to people you know I have a friend who's gay who was on my podcast it's like the second episode to like almost two years ago and just talking to him because his parents are pastors actually at the church that I was, used to be on staff at. And just hearing, you know, what he looks, because he, he has an affirming view and I have a non-affirming view. And we just talked about, well, how can we love each other well, even when we disagree? Like, let's just say we are always going to disagree on this. Just hearing how he would talk about, like, you don't have to always like bring up the fact that you think I'm wrong. And so I think, when someone's same-sex like attracted, whether they're trying to live by a conservative theological view or progressive theological view, being willing to say, hey, how are you doing? How's your heart? Like have those conversations that you would have with someone who's single without saying like, well, you know, I don't believe that, or this is where I fall. You don't, you don't have to say that every single time you have that conversation. You can Why? just genuinely care and check in with someone. And I found in my own life, people are more willing to ask me why I believe what I believe after I've had several conversations that have nothing to do with what I believe.
0: Right. You've built trust with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think for those of you who are coming in, make sure you go back and listen to the whole interview with Brenna so you can get context on everything that she's saying and her story. I just, I love this. You bring up that this isn't, I think there's always that anxiousness over endorsement, Mm. you know, like I don't want to say something that seems like I'm endorsing. And I think when you look at this as I'm, I'm walking side by side with these people in my Mm. life, all different people, right. Then it's not, some of that urgency is removed because you will speak, about like have these conversations like you mentioned you know maybe a few visits in mm-hmm. <laughs> about the about what you believe and and things like that as trust is being built and life is being lived alongside people it doesn't mean you're never speaking up the truth right mm-hmm. or never talking about what scripture says about sexuality but you are doing that in the context of a relationship and following the holy spirit's leading on your words mm-hmm. and it's that like holistic picture that oh, I just feel like so often today we either have truth with zero grace and love and patience, mm-hmm. or we have grace with zero truth about what sin is doing to our lives. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you know, God wants you to be happy, and it's like, well, He knows what your happiness will be, how it will be best mm-hmm. accomplished. So I appreciate that. Um that you have been so vulnerable with us and, and shared all of this with us, Brenna. Thank of you. Yeah. Can I ask you where people can follow you and find you and learn more about what you're doing?
1: Yeah. So I do almost everything on Instagram, like a lot of people these days and my handle or tag or whatever it's called. And I don't know is <clears throat> at bun on my head, all one word. All lowercase. I used to wear my hair in a messy bun for like all of high school, so that's the nickname I got. And it just, I can't change it. I'll just, <laughs> Even change though you buttons. have no bun anymore. Right, right. <laughs> it's irrelevant now, but yeah, you can find me there. I try to do like devotional videos there, and then if I speak, I'll share clips of that on there. And then linked to that Instagram is my podcast um, that talks about difficult topics in conversations. And then pretty much anytime I'm speaking live anywhere, that will also be presented on Instagram. So Instagram is the way to go.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited that people can join you there. For those of you who are watching this interview with Brenna it will be saved to my IGTV and the audio will be pulled to Verity podcast. So you will have other options for sharing and listening. And eventually once I get the transcript of our interview and the audio, it will be pulled to my blog as well. So thank you again, Brenna. I
1: appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me tonight. Thank you so much for having me. It was a huge honor.
0: I think all of us have been at a women's conference where we were told you are a beautiful daughter of the most high King. And it's true, but it's not the whole truth. The beauty of being God's daughter has some backstory and it's left out in a lot of messages preached to women. So if you're tired of hearing the watered-down Christian teaching and you're hungry for a deeper spiritual life, I have something for you. Is my brand new book, Stop Calling Me Beautiful, Finding Soul-Deep Strength in a Skin-Deep World. Stop Calling Me Beautiful is a book about going deeper with God. I'm going to talk about pursuing the truths of who God is and who we are in relationship to Him, how to study Scripture, how legalism, shallow theology, and false teaching keep us from living boldly as a woman of the Word. I'm so excited to put this book in your hands. You can grab your copy on Amazon, or for more information, head to my website, FeliciaMasonheimer.com, and click the book tab. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Verity. You can connect with fellow listeners by following me on Instagram at Felicia Masonheimer or on our Facebook page by the same name. Also, visit FeliciaMasonheimer.com for links to each episode and the show notes.